Hi there, and welcome to Polyamory Uncensored, a podcast where we, your hosts, Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams, interview a poly person each episode and try to answer five questions who, what, when, where, and why as it pertains to our poly lives. You're listening to episode 43, where we chat with Brad. Stay tuned as we delve into the good, the bad, the ugly, the extremely complicated now that we're dealing with coronavirus and everything else about the truths of our poly lives. All right. So, Brad, who are you? Well, um, that is a big question. <laughs> I am a line cook and aspiring chef. I also do some writing here and there, video game player, tabletop player, um, practicing poly for around eight years now. And how do you identify? Generally queer. I, I am into just about everybody. I don't really like the distinction in a lot of ways that we make among ourselves. And I think that queer is a nice little catch-all for uh, the fact that even though I'm fairly masculine presenting, that I still cherish feminine aspects of myself. And I feel that pretty well includes all of the people I'm attracted to. All that, all that jazz. It's just a nice catch-all term that I appreciate. Cool. Understandable. Uh, so what drew you to polyamory? Uh, it was actually a former co-worker of, of mine. We started talking about it at work, and uh, it was recommended to me that I check out the poly group. And having discussed the theory behind it, I, I thought it would be an interesting practice. It was not something I thought I knew about myself right away, but it, polyamory made a strong intellectual argument in that there's not enough love in the world. Nobody is ever a perfect partner. Uh, not everybody has needs that can be met no matter how much they love one another. And that to try and fulfill myself outside of a monogamous relationship would be ultimately more fulfilling to me. Uh, the practice of it was hard, especially at first, as I'm sure it is for most people. But uh, as you get into the swing of it, as you get better at setting boundaries and understanding the complexities of schedule and gaining some of the self-confidence that you do in practicing uh, the pursuit of love in a way that you think is more coherent with your beliefs. It was much easier to uh, practice it over the first initial hump when you're just kind of trying to deprogram yourself of some of the toxic ways that our society views relationships and love and sex and all of these other things. So what does polyamory mean to you? I mean, with the exception of the mixing up of the Latin and the Greek, uh, <laughs> it, it means that you, well, I, I would have to say that ultimately I'm a relationship anarchist. Polyamory is what I identify with most because I don't want to put a limitation on the romantic involvement that I have with people. Uh, poly specifically means to me the allowance for deep and intimate emotional allowance in the way that a open relationship wouldn't uh, where people try to part parcel the emotional connectivity versus uh, sexual activity or uh, friendship or what have you. But poly specifically means to me the pursuit of more than one romantic love. Is there anything that you find difficult about polyamory? Oh yeah, very, very. Um, <laughs> when Lindsay and I had started talking about the prospect of me doing this discussion. Uh, it started off as poly as it relates to the professional environment, and namely having multiple partners while you are a career-minded person, and I would consider myself that. Uh, having a demanding job, you know, one that you're commonly expected to work more than 40 hours a week or if you perhaps hold down more than one job or if you work in particular industries it can be 
difficult to have one partner, let alone two or more. And it's something that I haven't heard spoken about. Uh, I think there is, at least outside of some of the more tight-knit circles, I guess the people not terribly familiar with poly, maybe a little bit of an understanding of it, um, I've seen it categorized as uh, something for affluent white people to do because they have the time, the money, and the resources. And I've seen a lot of counter-argument to that recently about the difficulties of being a person of color or being having some sort of disability, some sort of... Uh, you know, depression or having any of these other things I've heard it spoken of, but I haven't heard of it talked about in a kind of a class structure, which is to say, uh, you know, I work, I work, as I mentioned, as a cook, so I've been working in the service industry for some time, the food service industry and hospitality. And, you know, it's difficult to have one partner and have the money to go to a nice dinner with one partner, again, let alone two. Uh, and after talking about it, we thought it was better generalized to talk about the, the challenges of weird working schedules and how do you make that work with more than one person. Um, I can't begin to say I have a ton of answers in that way, but it was an interesting thing to begin thinking about. Absolutely. And I think we're definitely looking forward to having uh, a more robust conversation about that over the course of this episode. So when did you know you were Polly? Well, no, I think is a generous term. I, I, I think that to say you know you're polyamorous is kind of like saying you know you're smart, right? Um, <laughs> I, I think it's or, you know, better better yet, let's bring this into some contemporary some contemporary uh, context. Uh, to know that you're hygienic, right? Uh, hygiene is an ideal that we aspire to. We all want to be uh, clean after a fashion. And it, it's something that you work towards and you might think that are, but maybe you're not. Maybe you're not practicing it the right way. Maybe you need to do other things. Uh, maybe you don't need to at all, and it's silly to worry about. But uh, what I mean to get at is poly isn't something that I personally believe you know you are or you're not. It, it is much like a... I'm going to try and stop using analogies because I feel like I'm conflating <laughs> them. But uh, it's something that you practice toward. It is a lot like the relationships you have in poly. It, it's, I, I don't believe in unconditional love either. So like you can say these things, I am this, I am that. And unless you're practicing it and trying to be better at it, then I don't think you're really doing it. You can't rest on your laurels because polyamory demands that you're talking about the definitions and boundaries of people and like that's something that you should be doing in monogamous relationships as well. It's not specific to polyamory. Whether or not you allow yourself to be, I think, is what a lot of people use to define themselves as poly. So I, maybe I don't know that I am now. You know what I mean? But I practice. I work hard. I, I try to be honest and open in all of my relationships. I try to work within other people's boundaries and my own and that's how I would want to govern myself regardless of the structure of my relationships. That's a really interesting way of framing it. There's definitely a lot there. I mean it has almost a sort of um, Buddhist-like quality in a certain sense. Like it's it's less of a state of identity as and more of like a a way of being in the world like an intention that is 
a good way to break that down. Yes. Um, I, I do not consider polyamory part of my identity, but it is part of the way that I govern my relationships. It's just a really interesting frame. There's a lot to think about there. I appreciate that. So thank you for, thank you for giving me something to think about. I do what I can. <laughs> when, if, if ever, um, did you, well, let me, but you have a way we usually ask this, but I'm going to actually reframe it a little bit because your answer kind of pushes me in that direction. When did you, when did you start thinking about relationships and sort of that way of being intentional in them? Was that something that came out of thinking about polyamory or has that been sort of your orientation towards relationships for longer than that? No, uh, to the contrary, I, I, I was very devoutly monogamous, um, very romantic, and and by romantic, I mean I mean uh, in the classical interpretation of the word, where there's uh, the one is is out there just waiting for me to drop like my stack of binders in the school quad so that they can like look <laughs> at. And you know you have that moment of eye contact, and now you're uh, going to be uh, dating for a little while, moving in like it was all calculated and procedural, and like this is what's supposed to happen when you meet that one person. And I would commonly feel bad in monogamous relationships where I would be uh, attracted to people, or I would start developing a crush, and I'd be like, oh my god, do I not actually love this person? What have I been feeling if this isn't love? And all of this other kind of stuff. Um, and it wasn't really until this coworker of mine was, was telling me, again, about some of the intellectual and emotional theory behind it, and it's like, well, no, if, if, if you have those feelings, like, why would you not want to have more love in the world and like so many people do upon being introduced to polyamory I was like oh no I couldn't do that I get way too jealous and yeah I I had a bit of a temper when I was a, a teenager I got very very angry and I would do dumb things in the way that teenage boys often do uh, and I was allowed to do it because boys will be boys and I had to do the anger management, and it was reasonable. I'm happy I did it. And I took some of the things that I learned from that and applied it to jealousy, where it's ultimately kind of silly to feel possessive about a person. To If you love a person, you shouldn't treat them like an object to be had. Um, when I started exploring notions of toxic masculinity and breaking down what you're allowed to do and what you're allowed to be when you're a boy as a teen, um, I started thinking about all emotions this way and ultimately decided these are things that I'm meant to have. It is okay to be angry in context. It is not okay. It's uh, about how you deal with it. And with polyamory, it is okay to be jealous. It's more about how you approach that feeling. And when I started breaking down the reasons why people want to be monogamous or are monogamous, I found no reason that I wanted to continue doing that. I'm not a religious person. I do not believe that... Um, Marriage is a contract between, uh, biblically, a man, a woman, and God, or more loosely uh, and more contemporarily, uh, two people and uh, a legal binding between two people and the government. Um, I didn't find that to be a compelling argument for monogamy. Uh, I didn't find the emotional well-being of myself or the emotional anxiety that I was feeling practicing monogamy uh, to be a compelling reason to continue doing it. Uh, there was just no rationale for it that I saw that allowed me to be, to have any sense of well-being. 
I transitioned ultimately from monogamy to polyamory because it allowed me to feel all of the things that I was told I wasn't allowed to. And because the societal structures that I felt like set that rule didn't make sense. It didn't reflect how people actually work and how people want to function. Our next question is, where are you or where do you feel you are in your poly journey? And also, where do you hope to go? Well, the I feel like I understand my boundaries now and my understanding of what it is I want now more than I have in most other periods of my life. But it also comes at a time where I am really getting into my job. I want to be at work. You know, this is, this is now my, effectively my Saturday. I have off Sundays and Mondays. And when I have off, like when I, when I left work yesterday, I was so pleased by how service went and the quality of what we were putting out and everybody's attitude. And like, it was just, it was a really good day. Everything was clicking in the way that it doesn't commonly happen in restaurants you know there's always inevitably some bad thing that happens someone calls in or you know someone's sick somebody uh messes up the timing on on a call and yesterday it was just going great and i earnestly had the belief and the feeling that Man, I'm bummed that I'm off tomorrow. I would have liked to have done this again. I've never been in a position like that professionally. Um, so in my poly journey right now, uh, I, I have my, my nesting partner and I have my job. I would consider my job a relationship uh, insofar, in as far as like what effort I'm putting into it, uh, the requisite that I be open and honest with everybody that's there while also filling, fulfilling the needs uh, of the business. And it's, it's a bizarre place to be in because I've never thought of careerism as a potential partner. So I, I've only got the one. Um, and it's been so hard to find people that are willing to tolerate a, an unusual or a normal schedule, even though it's fairly regular as far as careers in the service industry go, um, it's difficult to find people who want to work around that because I'm commonly unavailable between 2 and 11 at night. And that really narrows down the field insofar as like what people do for work. There are, you know, no matter how great a chemistry or how good a connection or how strong a friendship you are ultimately limited by the time that you are not spending trying to provide for yourself and your family or your partners or whatever so i would say in my my poly journey i'm in a place where i would still consider myself polyamorous even though i don't have more than one partner one human partner i guess um, and it's not like I'm unwilling to pick up another relationship, but my priorities are such that I, I don't feel quite driven to the dating pool as I did when I was first starting to, to branch out into poly. I think there's a lot of newness and novelty that comes from the first couple of years. Um, but in Milwaukee, we have a fairly small polyamory pool. I guarantee that damn damn near any of us that have met each other knows, you know, six degrees of Ke- of Kevin Bacon. Mm-hmm. We probably know somebody that we've been on a date with. So like, I I don't feel the pressure to go out and date, but I'm not turned off to to have it happen. I'm not trying to force it in the way that I think I, I did when I was starting out. And there's a comfort to it. So maybe in that way, it has become part of my identity, but it's not one of the things that 
directs me in the way that I I wanted it to when I was starting out. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think you got into some of this in response to some of our other questions, but um, in case you'd like to take another crack at it sort of more directly, um, why are you polyamorous? Because I think that the world is a grim and uncaring place, ultimately. It is largely without compassion and is a grind. I, I think that the world is generally pretty brutal and we have a lot of benefits here in the United States that a lot of other places don't. Are we perfect? Of course not. I'm not about to imply that we are. We're a long way from it. And that to bring and to experience any happiness and positivity and love that you can is how you're going to make it through this life with any kind of success or, or well-being or happiness. And it's not meant to be a pessimistic outlook, but I don't know why people would want to, in the face of, an, of a cold existence here on Earth, hurtling through space with no proof that anything significant begin, exists beyond us. Uh, to experience as much happiness and love as you can. That's philosophically why I believe in it. Um, as far as my own beliefs in what human beings are, I think is ultimately what it is we consent to do. And because it, so much of our humanity hinges on yes, I'm going to do that, or no, I don't want to do that, that to limit yourself to a platonic relationship when you might want a romantic or sexual one with a person just because you already have that relationship with another person limits how much happiness and life you can experience in the short time we have here. I have had the luxury of getting to know so many more people to a greater depth while being polyamorous than I have because of monogamy. And I say that because monogamy required that I saw one person at a time in order to get to that depth. And polyamory has allowed me to simultaneously explore the complex humanities of whatever partner I was seeing or partners I was seeing at the time. It gives me a better understanding of what other people go through, what other needs people have. It has allowed me to better understand empathy and people from other walks of life that I haven't personally experienced, dating people of color, dating straight folks, dating um, largely homosexual folks, dating pan folks, it's a largely different experience and they've all come to that conclusion for different reasons. And by not limiting the boundary, or by not limiting what it is I'm allowed to have just because of the structure of my relationships, I think I've become a better person because it's been easier to empathize with people who are not me. It's a lot easier to, to listen and understand where people are coming from when you don't have societally held prescriptions for uh, how the dating script is supposed to go. That makes sense. Why did you agree to be interviewed today? Well, I appreciate in large part all of the legwork that y'all do in having the community be a thing. Uh, I have never been one for for meetings and the like, and I am commonly unavailable to, to go to them. But I think the visibility and it is ultimately good for the community because I think that this is a healthier way, at least for me, to practice having a relationship. No judgments against monogamous folk, of course. If that's how you want to do it, that's how you want to do it. 
but I, I think that visibility uh, leads to social acceptance. And there are a lot of people who might want to do this to practice their relationships this way, but don't want to because of the social repercussions. And I, I want to help out in as far as I can. I, I think it's a cool aim. And I think that more people would try it if they knew that there are strong communities that will talk through uh, issues and concerns and share in the good times and help in the bad ones. Um, any community is good community right now in, in times that are hard, especially. Absolutely. Definitely. So no doubt. The reason we are actually on uh, a phone conversation instead of in person today, uh, the coronavirus, Katie actually had to get going uh, for her actual job to deal with, you know, social distancing and, uh, and, and how that will affect her job. So she's not on the rest of the call, but um, I am here with Brad and we're going to talk about poly and dating while working in the service industry. But I'd also like to touch on uh, Polly while, you know, the coronavirus, <laughs> social distancing. So what challenges do you, do you think or you, and you have experience um, service workers face for dating and, and, and how can that be dif- difficult uh, or unique to Polly folks? The irregular schedules. Uh, it's, I, I mentioned this earlier, I believe. I, I have the luxury of a set schedule which is not a common thing. Very frequently, it's, all right, you're going to work Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you're going to have off Monday, work Tuesday, off Wednesday, work Thursday, and then you're back on for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, The scheduling is irregular, and for that reason, because I feel like more people than don't have uh, regular schedules. So it's a pot shot. It's just very difficult to get together. And when you're starting to establish uh, a relationship, I think subconsciously there's this belief that, oh, this person is having a hard time scheduling with something with me. It must be because they're disinterested. That's happened a few times to me where it's like, no, I'm sorry. I just work. Uh, The irregular hours means that there are very few chances to go on traditional dates, to go to dinner, to go to a movie, because um, by the time you have to go to work, most people aren't done. I go into work at 2, sometimes 3. And by the time I'm done at 10 or 11, there isn't really anything open other than fast food and bars. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I was thinking about that, too. Um, Weird work schedules and also like weird sleep schedules. I imagine if you're done at work at three at, at 10 PM, you're not directly going home and going to bed. Most likely I imagine. And you're no, also probably getting up at 7 AM, you know, <laughs> uh, to that point. Um, I, I probably woke up at noon today. So, Fair. you know, that, that means that, yeah, I, I very rarely have the opportunity. If you think about it in terms of a, quote-unquote, normal person's schedule. Most people's 8 a.m. is my 12 p.m. Most mm-hmm. people's 11 p.m. midnight is my 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning. And <laughs> right. I'm an introvert. It doesn't really bother me. I stay up and I listen to music. I make D&D maps and, you know, whatever. Um, there are Most of my friends are also in the service industry. So they're up and around, but it's a difficult life to live, one, because of the pay, two, because of the lack of the benefits. But when you mix poly in there and trying to have fulfilling relationships, having one is difficult sometimes, especially if that person is also in the service industry. To that point, um, I am a line cook and my nesting partner is a barista. And that commonly means that when I get home, they're in bed. They, mm. they've, got, they've got to be up at five o'clock in the morning to be there at 
5.30 so that they can open the store at 6. Uh, of course, yeah. Yeah, it's an they... exact opposite job, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's unfortunate. I, it's unfortunate, and when you're starting to establish the boundaries of, of a poly relationship, it's difficult not to interpret the lack of availability as disinterest. Now, I think my partner and I have a pretty healthy relationship. I think that we're in that, I think that the ideal form of, of friendship scheduling is one that exists between us, which is to say, we might not see each other as often as we want to, but when we do, and when we have quality time, it's like nothing changed. It's like two weeks might as well have been yesterday. Sure. Uh, we are already that close. But when you're starting to get something off the ground, it's really difficult. Yeah. And I also, um, when you're talking about like pay and benefits and other things that service workers generally don't have as, as much of, um, I always think that, and you kind of touched on this earlier, that like so often people feel that poly is something that only like affluent people can do. And I remember when I was in college working two jobs, um, both of them were like retail and, and a call service job. They were both very minimal pay and I was going to school full time and I still managed to have multiple partners, you know? So when people were like, this is only something for the rich, I, I always came at them as like a poor 20 year old, you know, like, well, but you don't have to do extravagant dates to have a good time and get to know someone. So like, how do you, how do you deal with, um, or what are the things that, you know, maybe some ideas for people that are like, when you don't have a lot of money to just spend around on, on fun, fun luxury dates? Well, I honestly, I think that's one of the things that has helped shape my opinion of what is attractive. Because let's be real, uh, when it comes to the the quintessential art museum date, right? Like that's that's a date that I've been on half a dozen times. It doesn't cost a lot of money, sure, but it, it's still something that does. Um, and ultimately, to me, signals a, a lack of creativity to an extent. There's nothing wrong with dinner and a movie or, you know, Netflix and cuddles. <laughs> but the the people that I find myself attracted to now are the people that can have good conversations about ideas and concepts and notions and, and want to create things. It's pretty cheap to make things, you know? Um, I have been tabletop gaming for about as long as I've been polyamorous and it costs nothing for me to make entire worlds just with my brain and a friend and a few pieces of creative insight. Um, there's a lot that can be done in lieu of uh, a steak dinner. Uh, mm -hmm. And even then, when it comes to my nesting partner and I, like I have the most fun, I think, with them when we're talking about food. They love to bake, and I do some baking just because I've had to professionally, and I do a lot more cooking. So, you know, we'll watch a lot of food programs together where it's uh, recreating famous dishes from movies or, uh, oh, I, you know, I just found a really good pretzel bread recipe. Wouldn't that be great it, with this, that, or the other thing? Um, making the things that you have to do to survive anyway, making food together, I think is, is one of my favorite uh, dates. You know, it, it's something that doesn't require traditionally posted hours the way that a restaurant does. But I'm still going to go eat. You've got to eat, right? So like, yeah. why, not cook, why not cook together? Learn something new. Uh, the people that I want to be with and the people that I find attractive are people that like learning, they like uh, thinking, they like, and all of this is free. 
And not only is it free and in my mind entertaining, but it generally leads to different kinds of personal growth, whether it's, you know, I, I have a, a collaborative friendship with somebody that does a lot of the drawing for uh, the world building that we do. They draw monsters, they draw major characters, they draw landscapes and cityscapes. And I kind of break down the societal, or societal trends and cultural trends of this fictitious universe completely free. And it's a fun, expressive way to, to save money. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think people are going to start getting a lot more creative when it comes to dates. Um, now that we're trying to practice not going out into big groups, you know, concerts are canceling everywhere. Uh, any, pretty much any group over, I mean, at least the ones that I'm involved in, any over 20 people are canceling, you know, 10 people, some of them. So like uh, the poly discussion group, I just heard from my boss. He was like, oh, uh, can you do that online? We're not going to do that anymore. We're not going to have that for two months. And I was like, cool. All right. I will figure that out. <laughs> so, um, so a lot of social interaction is going to be at least hopefully momentarily uh, uh, halted and I think people are going to have to get really creative and cooking at home I mean that's a that's a huge one because we're being told not to go and get takeout even you know like the less people touching your food the better but um, uh, but yeah it's uh, I feel like that all of those kind of things as someone who's a big uh, creative person like I like to sit at home and knit and that except for the cost of like yarn and supplies, that's a free activity and I really enjoy it. And watching Netflix again, except the cost of having Netflix, pretty, pretty cheap activity. Um, so I think that well, that's going to be, uh, it's going to be right. a more popular thing anyways. Absolutely. It is important for me as somebody working with food right now, the more people or the fewer people handling your food, good, great, sure. <laughs> A lot of us are already pretty good at the things that we're supposed to be doing at certain, certainly when you get to a particular level uh, of cuisine. A lot of local businesses are hurting. Buy some gift certificates. Yeah, that is what I've heard is, is buy gift certificates to your favorite restaurants. Well, and not um, just restaurants, your favorite small businesses. Small businesses. businesses, yeah. Anywhere that is going to be already anywhere that already operates on small margins don't put yourself at risk but don't be afraid understand that that anybody that is still open is not disregarding this uh or taking mm -hmm. it anything less than seriously um, yeah at the, at the tool shed we've been having everybody who comes in the store wash their hands before they touch literally anything and we've been sanitizing and disinfecting every single toy on the shelf which i think is is really smart and is going to be really effective at helping um and oddly enough it has been fairly busy i was really thinking we'd be hurting but i think people know they're going to be stuck inside for a while and they're maybe stocking up <laughs> i think that's a terrific idea yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah, I like I. It, it is not my intention to to cause any panic about what's going on. Be smart, be safe, do what you need to. Uh, mm -hmm. Understand symptoms, understand the demographics at risk. Uh, do not engage in unnecessarily risky activity. But the same could be said for literally anything. Uh, mm -hmm. So just smart be safe don't be scared don't don't let what's going on dominate your inability to have a fun time because even if you're quarantined there's nothing wrong with going out and having fun as long as you're being smart and practicing what really doesn't amount to much more than basic hygiene right um, yeah going anyway and the fact that people are getting up in arms about it sometimes to me is like, guys, you were supposed to be washing your hands anyway. <laughs> right, right. Absolutely. Especially in the food, any any service industry, even retail, pretty much every time mm -hmm. I handle money, I wash my hands because money is disgusting. You know, <laughs> it is terrible. It is gross. Um, but yeah, 
Yeah, I actually had a um, just a couple of friends over last night to celebrate Pi Day because it was 3.14 and everyone brought a pie. And then the first article I opened up this morning was like, you know, even be careful about small events and don't share food. And I was like, God damn it. <laughs> we can't do anything anymore. You know, but at the same time, I was like, you know what? Everyone who came to the party knew the risk and knew the reward. And this is just like dating. This is like you have risk, you have reward and you weigh the pros and cons. You do what you got to do to have a good life. <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah, it is important to find a balance. I don't believe that this is the end of the world, but I also don't mean to be dismissive toward anybody that this poses a threat to. And for the sake of the people that this poses a threat to, I am going to take extra precautions because I don't want to put anybody unnecessarily at risk. And at the same time, we don't know the full ramifications of everything that happens with Corona, but like, don't let this be a reason not to live your life. Just be smart. It's what you're supposed to be doing anyway. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I do feel like it will probably put a hold on a lot of people's dating lives and not, not for good or bad, really. I mean, I feel like it's just smart, you know, maybe don't hang out with people you don't know. <laughs> And don't know their practices and don't maybe know their hygiene yet. So I feel like for just in general, uh, the world, it, dating is probably going to take a little bit of a hit. Um, but I also don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. I think like, I think for anyone, taking a little break is probably a good thing. Maybe, maybe uh, learn some self-care and some self-love at this time, you know, uh, have a date day with yourself. <laughs> Uh, I have to admit, the introvert in me is really rather pleased about this because now I can sit at home and play video games and not have it be a problem. Right. <laughs> why don't you want to come out to this, that, or the other? It's like, well, I've got this game I've wanted to play for a while, but okay. And now mm -hmm. without a whole bunch of club activity and bar scene, I, I mean, like, I know that they're hurting. Going to try and support them when I can, but... Again, be smart. Don't put yourself at risk. Uh, I, I am all too happy to catch up on some shows and sit around and, and draw or write or whatever. This is absolutely, as you said, a good time for self-care. And you know, it's fun to get to know other people intimately and it can be as fun to get your to get to know yourself intimately try try something new pick up something do something you haven't done yeah i think that'd be i think that's great advice i feel like we we can really use this time as a i don't know to better ourselves in a lot of ways not just let's all learn how to wash our hands for 20 full seconds you know but 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 and in, in, song can you sing to mark the 20 seconds <laughs> what song do I sing? I sing the ABCs. I just I made it, I made it easy. <laughs> uh, the, the fear the fear lit me from Dune is one of the things that you can do. Apparently, fear is the mind killer. Um, it's it's a good one, and I think that's a good <laughs> sentiment to echo right now. <laughs> yeah. So one thing that Katie had mentioned before she had to drop off the call was kind of finding um, unique situations in which it might be uh easier to date like say you were dating someone who is a, a parent and they're free during the days but work nights or someone who's also in the service industry but maybe not uh, like your situation where they work at the exact opposite hours um but i don't know did you have any other advice of different kind of like i ideas for people who have weird schedules you know, it it may not even be that I have proposals for other activities, but what I would encourage is a particular mindset, especially if you're starting out. Understand that, especially with a career-minded person, regardless of the time of day that they work, service industry or not, that there are going to be times where a job thing comes up uh, and that our availability is less than ideal. Try not to take it to heart. 
It generally has no bearing or reflection on the person. Uh, but some people prioritize the demand of a job over the, the company of a person, especially if you're one of the polyamorous people that is more prone to uh, like hierarchical titular types of poly, where you have your primary, secondary, and tertiary, tertiary partners. Um, if you have an accepted secondary or tertiary relationship with someone, understand that this on-the-fly cancellation has nothing to do with you. It's not that I don't value your time. Uh, I want to respect these things, but a little bit of extra understanding in sudden cancellations or difficulty in creating a schedule by which that you can meet and hang out with this person whose company you enjoy. As far as actual um, things, I guess kind of depends on the whole love language bit, where it's uh, more about how do you break the news that I'm sorry, somebody no call, no showed, I've got to go in tonight. How do you um, apologize for that? And how can you be understanding to your own partners? It's not like I mean to place the onus uh, of dealing with this relationship and, and the person who has the less complicated schedule. It just requires a little bit more understanding and in this world where we're so used to and expect things instantaneously, that sometimes it might be a couple weeks before I'm able to even have a proper text conversation. Maybe I don't have, you know, a lot of these jobs are not only physically exhausting, but mentally exhausting. And if I can't be an engaging conversationalist, then me just texting, uh-huh, that's cool. Me, what did you do today? That's not very interesting either. And like to try and force having a conversation isn't any good for anybody. Uh, when I have the energy and the ability to socialize and engage and have a good conversation or to go out on a date um, or, or, you know, alternatively in some of these lower paying jobs, sometimes I can't go out on a date. Let's hang out and have coffee. Let's sit and chill. Let's, let's, work on some collaborative art project just a little bit of understanding and sometimes i can't go out uh, like i literally have not enough money to cover my bills how am i going to justify going on dates with one person let alone two if you're talking you know 15 dollars for dinner or you know 25 dinner and drinks and that's only my end of it that's if we're going dutch <laughs> so an increased amount of understanding, appreciating that everybody's schedules are different, just like everybody's preferences and inclinations are different. It's more about respecting other people's humanity than what activities do you engage in, engage in. because I'm not about to say, I yeah, just sit home and, and watch Netflix. If what you really want to do is go out and dance, don't sit around and watch Netflix, clear the table away, put on some music and dance with your partner. Like you do what you all want to do. You want to have mm. sex all day, have sex all day. That sounds great. Do your thing. Um, but there are plenty of activities and that's more about the, the partnership. You know? So I don't want to say I have the answer to those things just because I work in the service industry. That's still a thing between y'all. Do what makes you happy. Read a Absolutely. book out loud. <laughs> Actually, I had um, I had friends who were doing that, who were reading chapters of a book to one another before bed each night, and that was like their their fun uh, connecting time. I really like that. That's a that's a great way to do it, and it it allows you. Yeah, you know, it's a lot like uh, I, I'm sure this is one of the things that I really liked about starting Polly is like changing the notion of what constituted cheating in my head because it was no longer like uh, it was no longer strictly sex. Uh, the, the watching a TV show that you're committed to watching with your partner when your partner isn't around that whole cheating sort of thing. <laughs> right. 
you can have that same kind of connection with a book. And the greatest thing about that is if you're reading a Game of Thrones or a Harry Potter or whatever, if you're doing a chapter each every night, that's two chapters, it's going to take you weeks to get through one Harry Potter book. Um, Easily. So, like, it's it's a nice little activity. Uh, I think that the world in in trying to and more successfully getting things instantly, we're forgetting as human beings how to kill time. That makes sense. Everything is so fast that uh, to sit down, to allow yourself to slow down, to absorb yourself into a thing that is time consuming uh that's kind of what we're skirting around with the cooking or the knitting or the world building or the video games or the board games or the reading to one another find ways to kill time in absence of much else to do to have something that isn't strictly objective uh and is just a thing that you can do is uh, i think a good date mentality to have let's dance till we're tired let's cook this dinner and all of that that's a better general piece of advice i think totally all right so my phone is about to die (laughs) so i think we'll uh we'll stop there and uh yeah is there anything else you wanted to add uh advice for other poly folks out there uh listen to your partners learn stuff be better yeah, be better, do better. Yep. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I know this was, we had to do some wrangling. <laughs> thank you for being on the podcast. And uh, I think this was a lot of really good advice. And hopefully people are home being safe, listening to podcasts. Yeah, hopefully. Thank you for, for facilitating me stepping on a soapbox for a brief moment and letting me be heard. I really appreciate the opportunity to uh, to talk through some of the problems I've had and share some of the good things I've witnessed. And I hope that people can learn from it. Me too. Well, thanks again. I appreciate it. Good luck. I hope that the technology gods have blessed you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. All right. Have a good one. And that is it from us at Polyamory Uncensored. We have been Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams. We'd like to thank podcast husband Rob for being our sound engineer. And thank you, Lindsay, for editing this podcast so that we sound smart. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Polyamory Uncensored. Contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com if you have a listener question or a comment. And if you'd like to support us at all, you can send us a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash polyamoryuncensored and simply click on the support this podcast button. If you'd like to support the podcast with a one-time contribution, we've set up a PayPal link to make it super easy. Thank you for your support in any amount at paypal.me slash polyamoryuncensored. We hope you've enjoyed this episode and remember, we love you. Bye.